Food is about people and places and moments in time. This is a Chef Demoni Snapshot with your host, Graham McLennan. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you're listening. I'm really glad we are together again. I'm Graham, and this is Chef Demoni, my podcast about food. And today it's about food travel, or food and travel travel and food, you know what I mean. Basically, a trip report that focuses on the culinary side of the trip because, well, you know, this is why we are here to talk about food. Today's snapshot is of a country that I visited recently. This is Cuba, of course. If you've been following along and heard last week's episode, or if you've been looking at uh, Chef Demoni's social media, you will have seen lots of Cuba content recently. I had never particularly thought about going to Cuba, but we had an opportunity that was so good we simply could not pass it up, and so we didn't. Now, if you did hear last week's snack-sized episode, you'll know that my wife B and I went to Cuba specifically to spend some time with friends who were celebrating the completion of this very intensive renovation of what turned out to be an amazing new bed and breakfast property. So we spent a week in the country. Uh, We flew into and out of Veradero, which is where the all-inclusive resorts are, or, or some of them at least. There may be some in other parts of the country, but definitely some in Veradero. Anyway, we didn't spend any time there. Instead, we went directly to the city of Matanzas, which is about a half hour away. And our two friends, both Canadian, but one of whom is Cuban as well, they were opening this renovated B&B property. Now, as I said last week as well, these are our friends Yvonne and Scott, and they had invited friends of theirs from all over the place to help them celebrate, and we met such great people. Our friend Stuart came from the Vancouver area. We actually met him in Toronto and then flew in together because B and I had been in uh, Thunder Bay just before heading to Cuba. Winston and Sharon and Laura and Troy, also from the Vancouver area, we met them. Baron, who is from New Zealand and now lives in Singapore. Faye, who's from Singapore and now lives in New York. And more. Just great people from all over the place getting together in Cuba. Now, the property, the bed and breakfast property, it is a gorgeous 1928 house, and Scott and Yvonne have spent about five years renovating it. Things seem to take quite a bit of time in Cuba, particularly when you're trying to import furniture and materials uh, from outside the country. And then, of course, the pandemic didn't help in the least. Now, Yvonne is both a chef and an interior designer, so you can have some sense, I think, of what this place would look like, right? It's just gorgeous and well set up for entertaining. So, hey, if you're going to be in Matanzas, let me know. I'd be happy to put you in touch with these two. I can say it would be a fantastic place to stay. So we did four nights in Matanzas and then three in Havana. And when we were in Matanzas, we stayed at a hotel very close to this gorgeous bed and breakfast property, Uh, of our friends. So the hotel we stayed at, it's called the Hotel Rio San Juan. It was great, actually. It was (laughs) was a funny experience, I thought, checking in. So everything that makes money or might make money in Cuba, this is my limited understanding, I'm open to correction if I'm getting anything wrong, 
but anything that could be profitable seems to be run by the government slash military. So, you know, picture the customer service involved in a bureaucratic government organization. Now, I have to say the rooms were awesome. The staff is super helpful, really friendly people. But wow, was this bureaucratic. I mean, I am a paper pusher for a living. But the 15-minute check-in process of handwritten forms and passport analysis and stamps and double copies, well, it impressed even me. Anyway, all good. We got checked in, dropped our bags in the room, and then that first afternoon we went to a touristy area down by the river. There's actually a gorgeous art gallery there where we spent some time, uh, and it's not just a gallery, it's a... It's a studio where incredibly talented artists are putting together some amazing pieces. So we spent some time there. Super fun. Again, if you're in Matanzas, going to Matanzas, let me know. I'm happy to talk about our non-culinary experiences as well. But back to the food. Our first afternoon, we went to this fairly touristy area down by the river, and we sat on a patio at one of about half a dozen restaurants in a row, I would say, along the riverfront. And it was great. The food was not great, nor did we really expect it to be, but it was fine. It was, there's deep fried, a lot of deep fried in Cuba. And so there were croquettes and other deep fried goodies. We had our first encounter with Cuban pizza, which was okay. I wouldn't say my favorite, but, but listen, we were hungry. We were sitting on a gorgeous patio. The beer was cold. So honestly, it was excellent. It was a wonderful introduction to Matanzas. And then later that night, actually, we returned to that area and we went to another nearby restaurant slash bar called Millimar. And that was super fun. It was loud. There was lots of dancing, not by me, but, you know, by people who dance. Uh, There was some karaoke going on. I almost thought at one point, I am not a singer. Maybe I should get up there and try something because some of the singers, wow, I think the rum was really flowing. Anyway, another awesome experience. We sat just inside Millimar. The windows were wide open. The door was wide open. People were spilling onto the patio and then onto the walkway alongside the river in this gorgeous Cuban evening. So it was it was a ton of fun. Really, really enjoyed it. We also sampled a couple of tastes of some very fancy rum there for the first time, and not surprisingly, it was delicious. Now, we walked back to the hotel. It was late, but it wasn't crazy late. It was about 11 o'clock, I would say, and we returned. It's an old building with these massive double doors out front and these massive double doors were locked. So that was a little disconcerting because there also appeared to be no sign of life from inside. Communication not super great in Matanzas, so I wasn't sure we were going to be able to raise anybody on a telephone. Uh, We don't really speak Spanish, although my wife, as I will explain in a story a little later on, does speak some pretty passable Spanish probably enough to ask somebody to open the door had anybody been there. Anyway, we sort of stood around on the street wondering what to do for a while and occasionally pounding on the door. And then the manager opened up and there he was. This guy had just apparently decided to go have a shower. So uh, it was really quiet. So he locked up the hotel and went to have a shower, came back, opened it up. All was well. I was a little worried there for a while, but it worked out just fine. Now the hotel package, I guess, that we were on uh, included breakfast every morning. So we went into this really beautiful restaurant space for breakfast, 
sat down at a table for three. There was me and B and Stu. And then in later days, we met some of the other friends I've mentioned. They stayed a couple of days in this hotel as well. And if you listened last week, you heard me talk about supply issues, supply chain issues in Cuba. And sometimes, quite regularly, in fact, things are simply not available. So the first morning we were there, we had cheese in our omelets. And this food was pretty basic, but it was perfectly fine. Uh, We had cheese in the omelets. We had milk in our Americanos. And they kindly asked whether we wanted drip coffee or espresso-based drinks. So we had Americanos with some beautiful steamed milk. And then the next day, there was some sort of dairy issue. No cheese for the omelets, no milk for the coffee. Obviously not the end of the world at all. I just thought it was really interesting. And I think, like the locals, we learned just to roll with this. uh, And so (laughs) things are available or they're not. And if they're not, you don't have them. As I say, not a big deal at all, but something that definitely caught my interest. I'll talk a little while, in a little while, about El Dandy in Havana. And there were funny instances of beer arriving at that restaurant and cheers going up from the crowd uh, because the beer supplies had run out. In any event, we explored Matanzas. I had been told by one of our friends that uh, while violent crime is almost unheard of, um, you know, pickpocketing theft is not unheard of, unfortunately, and thought that it would be a good idea for us to carry passports and the bulk of our cash with us. I should have thought ahead and brought a money belt, but I didn't, so I decided to buy a satchel, a a man purse, if you've watched the old Seinfeld episodes. So we went out into the city of Matanzas, we looked around various shops, not, not a huge shopping center by any means, but there were definitely some shops with a few things available. And in the one where I actually ended up buying this little bag, uh, we had a funny experience. At first I said, no, I want to go look around and see what other options are out there. They had quoted me a price of 1,800 pesos. And as I went out to look around other shops, I realized there must be something like a satchel, handbag, purse cartel going on here because every shop was selling them for 1,800 pesos, which is fine. And ultimately, I ended up buying it from the first shop. And everywhere we went... My wife, B was doing the communication because, as I say, she has some passable Spanish. The other interesting thing that I have found in my several years of traveling with my wife is that she's quite ethnically ambiguous. So in most places that we've been, the locals think she's a local. So in Spain, people thought she was Spanish. In Italy, people thought she was Italian. In Mexico, people thought she was Mexican. And in Cuba... Everybody, all of the locals, thought she was Cuban. She is none of these things, but apparently can pass for them (laughs) when we're traveling. So, B is doing the discussions, doing the negotiating, the back and forth with the shopkeepers. I finally decide to buy the bag from the first shop we had seen and then ultimately return to 1,800 pesos. So, I count off 18 100 peso notes, put them into a stack. That was about... A little under $30 Canadian, which I'm sure was the tourist price, but that's fine. I was the tourist. And so I handed this stack of 18 100 peso notes to the shopkeeper. And the woman promptly peeled off the top 100 peso note and handed it to B. And this apparently was her tip for bringing the tourist into the shop to make the purchase. So that amused us. And we had several encounters like that over the trip. We had lots of people 
approaching B and asking her in Spanish to help him sell cigars to her friends, that kind of thing. Anyway, quite amusing. But we took the 100, well, I shouldn't say we, B took the 100 peso uh, tip and the first tip she had ever received in her life, and we put it to use in Matanzas. So we went, B had remembered from an earlier trip that she had done years and years and years ago, going to little home-based coffee shops. They're not even shops. It's just people open up a window from their house and sell coffee through the window. And so we found one of those on a little side street in Matanzas. And the pricing was just uh, remarkable. So we had a hundred peso note and which, you know, a little bit more than a dollar. And we each had a coffee. I had a Cortado that was 20 pesos. B had just a straight espresso that was five pesos. And so we were 25 pesos into this 100 peso tip. And then just around the corner from the coffee window was this beautiful old local bookstore. And so B thought it would be good for her Spanish if she picked up a couple of books, which she did. She bought two used books in Spanish and still had quite a bit left over from the 100 peso tip. Anyway, really fun uh, to be out and about with somebody presumed to be a local. We saw street food everywhere, didn't partake too much. Many, many things being deep fried. Deep fry seems to be a thing. Uh, veggie carts, fruit carts, uh, a wandering tamale salesman, uh, just a bustling, wonderful, very lively scene. All right, then we went back to the house, back to Yvonne and Scott's house, and they had hired a chef, uh, a private chef, and this fellow made an incredible dinner. You will hear directly from this chef on an upcoming episode because he was kind enough to sit down for a chat with me and Yvonne was uh, was kind enough to translate, which was absolutely necessary. So keep eyes and ears open for that uh, conversation coming up soon on Chef Demoni. But this dinner, we started with mango daiquiris on the back deck. They were just, I mean, the perfect drink, right? Like this fresh, gorgeous mango juice with incredible Cuban rum and we were sitting on the deck in the heat, but the air was flowing. It was it was really just fantastic. Then the meal itself, I've done a little reel on this on Instagram, so you can look that up if you like and see some pictures from this from this incredible meal. It will also show you that reel, the dining room and the chandeliers that uh, Scott and Yvonne have put into their place, and and it's just gorgeous. So briefly, the meal we had a garlic broth soup. Uh, super simple but incredible flavor that had lettuce noodles, basically a chiffonade of lettuce into the soup, light but, as I say, incredibly flavorful. The perfect start to the meal. And the lettuce came from a farm property that is in Yvonne and Scott's family uh, nearby. You'll hear about the farm shortly, too. So we had that to start. Then we had a lobster stock risotto, super rich, super tasty, with langoustine on top. That was delicious. The lobster reappeared in the next dish, uh, the lobster meat this time in a ravioli. I mean, come on, lobster ravioli, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Then from the farm as well, and I didn't have a good picture of this, so I didn't include it in the Instagram reel, but here you go, bonus course that you hear about only because you are listening to the podcast of Chef Demoni. We had turkey done in a roulade, white meat, dark meat, and... Uh, uh, seared and sliced and served and wow that was super tasty 
Uh, and then for dessert, a drunken cake. And we were uh, teasing Yvonne, saying this was a very drunken cake. It was a, a pound cake, sponge cake, pound cake. I'm not a pastry chef at all. I don't know the differences. But let's go with pound cake with a whole lot of rum over top of it. Uh, what a way to end the meal and the evening. Just fantastic. Oh, and wine. Where do you get wine when when you're in Cuba, and where does it come from? Well, from quite a few places. Uh, not the U.S., of course, but lots of Spanish wines. And at one point in our stay in Matanzas, we went to what Scott Navon described as the dollar store. Now, I had a vision of a dollar store in my head from living in Canada and knowing what dollar stores are like here. And so I was curious what this was going to be like. Turns out what dollar store means is you can pay in U.S. dollars and they have a much wider selection of international products. So there was lots and lots of Spanish wines. There were spirits from all over. There were all of these incredible Cuban rums. And um, there you go. So we picked up some wine at the dollar store. Now, after this wonderful meal at the bed and breakfast property, we went out to a jazz club in Matanzas called Bar Biscuit. This was incredibly fun and our friends had booked the place out they had arranged for a band camila was the singer young woman who has an incredible voice i mean if you're in matanzas and see an advertisement for camila go see this woman she should be internationally famous put on a really incredible show she was backed by a band uh, including her father who was the drummer and you could tell he was just so so proud of his daughter it was an incredibly fun night we discovered, I think that was the first time we had mojitos in Cuba, but not the last. So uh, delicious drinks were flowing. The jazz music was incredible. We were with old friends and new friends. It was just really one of those those special nights. So was the next night. So the next night we had another really fun evening at the house. The same great chef made another appearance. This time he was doing an evening of past canapes, also incredibly delicious. And also on the scene that night, there was a trio of musicians who were so great. There was a fiddler, uh, well, a violinist, I suppose I should say, because it was classical and, and some contemporary, some pop cover stuff, really fun. So violin, uh, cello, and keyboard. And they kept right on playing by candlelight when necessary when the power went out, which which it seemed to do quite regularly when we were there. But it actually, I think, made the evening better because a whole bunch of us shifted to one of the outside uh, decks, uh, this one off the front of the house, where we had had the daiquiris before the dinner the evening before we were off the back of the house. Anyway, we're off the front of the house on this beautiful big open deck and the musicians came out they played by candlelight we had wonderful drinks we had incredible food everything was open again to the warm cuban evening it, it was really special so another wonderful evening at the house now the next day we visited the farm property this is about a half hour outside of matanzas and scott and yvonne had arranged various cabs to get us there and B and Stu and I went in a Lada, which I had not seen in a long, long time. So brief uh, detour here. Cars in Cuba. I am not remotely a car person, like not remotely, but I found the cars really interesting in Cuba. So the revolution was 1959. So you see lots of these gorgeous uh, 1950s American cars right up to 1959. And that's when they stop. 
Many of these cars are in incredible shape because they are babied and put together and maintained because they have to be because there aren't a lot of other options. So if you are into cars, I think a trip to Cuba would be worth it on that basis alone. But cars after 1959, quite different. Not these big, beautiful, sort of American muscle cars. They are lots of Soviet-era vehicles, so lots of Ladas. And then anything newer seems to be, not anything, most things newer tend to be European. So lots of Renault, lots of Fiat uh, Peugeot, that kind of thing. Uh, we wound up in this Lada, which was quite awesome. It must have been 70s, I'm going to guess. It was in rough shape, no seat belts to be seen, a rather hard plastic dashboard. I was sitting up front. Our driver was not shy about moving quickly. I was a little terrified, not going to lie, both going to the farm and returning. But it was quite the trip. We wanted to put the windows down and the driver helpfully opened the glove box and in the glove box was the one remaining uh, hand crank for the windows. And so he went around the car and opened all of the windows for us. And then away we went out to the farm. So the farm itself, really beautiful. It is made for a great hike, although wow, was it hot and wow, was it humid. But we did a great hike through the property, visited the veggies, we saw the goats, and it was just just a wonderful experience, right? Some nice uh, natural setting and a change from the relatively big city of Matanzas, certainly a change from Havana, which was still coming. When we left the farm property, we went about halfway back to Matanzas and we stopped in this sort of open field area that had some facilities around it. But this was a party for Yvonne's niece. And so there was a clown and there was a huge setup of tables. And yes, Chef was back. So listen to the Chef interview episode for details on this lunch, because you will hear uh, some of the reactions of guests other than me talking about what they liked about this lunch. But it was awesome. El fresco, and we served ourselves from this incredible buffet of food. Let's just say that the roast pork was out of this world, and the avocado, and the yuca. Anyway, lots more to come on this meal. It really was something special. So that really is, I think, a pretty good encapsulation of our experience in Matanzas. So let's move on to Havana. Again, we took a cab to get there. Uh, We had another friendly driver. Our buddy Stu was hell-bent on seeing a beach. So we stopped along the way and actually dipped our toes into the ocean. I gotta say, I am not a beach fan at all, but this was really something. It was that, you know, sort of the beach out of your imagination of a beach or my imagination of a beach in the Caribbean crystal aqua waters and this talcumy sand it was really beautiful if if i liked the sun and the heat i think that would be a great place to experience it however i don't which is why i go to las vegas and spend my time in casinos and out of the sun anyway we arrived in havana we had booked an airbnb i thought that was interesting actually that airbnb is allowed to operate in cuba but they are Most of the properties, I think, are owned by foreigners who then have locals managing them and looking after them. All to say, we checked into this old building. Our luggage was winched up from street level, up about three floors, and into the apartment we had. Beautiful spot. 
And uh, we had some incredible food there every morning. So Maria, who was one of the locals who was on the team, she showed up every morning and made breakfast for us, which was really, really wonderful. We had uh, fruit trays always. So we had fruit juices, but in addition to those fruit trays with mango on them, pineapple, and what I would have called papaya, but was advised in no uncertain terms that I must in Cuba call fruta bomba for reasons of linguistics and propriety. You can look that up if you like. So we had the fruit plates and then we had some, you know, pretty basic but delicious uh, toast, omelets, coffee, and the juice. Our first afternoon in Havana, Stu and I went out for a wander, mainly because he was looking to smoke a cigar. And that worked out really well because we found a place where Stu could buy and smoke a cigar. And we also had a little snack, this really delicious dish of chickpeas with uh, with some veg and roast pork. Wouldn't have thought to put those together, uh, but wow, it was really good. Unlike anything I had had before. So I've really got to try to replicate that dish. It was It was something. The first night, we went to Fabrica, Fabrica del Art. Now, this place in Havana, really something. It's a former vegetable oil processing plant, and it is, if you conjure up in your mind, or if you're as old as I am and and remember the Cold War, conjure up in your mind a Soviet-era bunker, and that's what this place is. It's incredibly huge, this concrete structure with soaring ceilings, that still have these massive holes in them where presumably the vegetables fell into the presses. I don't know. But now it is this multifaceted property that has a restaurant. It's got bars and clubs within the property and really incredible art displays. So we had dinner on the rooftop deck before descending into the guts of the building where we experienced the art and the music and the bars. And Yvonne had kindly uh, gotten us a reservation for dinner, which is really the trick to going to this place, because if you have dinner there, then you just descend right into the rest of the property. If you don't, you have to line up on the street, and lineups can be pretty intense. So we had dinner on this rooftop deck. It was uh, it was lovely. The food was not outstanding, I've got to say. I had a lobster dish that was a little bit overcooked, but hey, it's still lobster. It's still a rooftop uh, deck in Havana on a gorgeous evening with great people. So come on, it was fantastic. I also had, we did have some wine with dinner, but before that I had a Coke, which I hadn't seen anywhere until we got to Fabrica in Havana. Not much of a pop drinker, but this seemed like a good idea at the time. I was just thirsty and it was cold and delicious. And of course, had real sugar in it, which the Coke that we get here in North America, I think, does not. So uh, we finished up dinner. We went down into the rest of Fabrica. We looked at some amazing art. Uh, many of our group danced. Again, there was more dancing. I did not. Stephen Fry, just by way of another uh, detour here, has done an excellent piece on dancing or not dancing. It's called Board of the Dance. Uh, It sums up my views on dancing. So if you are similarly minded, which is to say you're not really into dancing, uh, see what Stephen Fry has to say on the topic. In any event, everybody seemed super happy with the dancing. I was super happy to sit and observe and enjoy a cold beer and just marvel at this incredible structure. So 
that was another really amazing night and 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 thanks to our friends for arranging it really thanks to them for arranging this entire amazing experience in cuba the next night we went to a place called i'm going to mispronounce this for sure la guarida uh, G-U-A-R-I-D-A. And this was uh, the fine dining experience that we had. Well, I mean, the private chef was the fine dining experience. This was another fine dining experience. This was a swankier restaurant, let's say, than the others that we went to in Havana. And it was amazing. Uh, this gorgeous old building. We walked up to the second floor and started enjoying the meal we had oh so i got to tell you about the drinks so we had some guava daiquiris to start and i had started ordering them without sugar on the advice of baron and fay so they took the position i think they were right that the fresh fruit is all the sweetness that you need and by having them without sugar you enjoy the fruit and you save quite a few sugar calories so all good so guava daiquiri to start and i'm going to come back to the no sugar thing when i tell you about El Dandy. And then we had some wonderful dishes. We shared a bunch of uh, appetizers. We had a whitefish carpaccio, an octopus carpaccio, a ceviche verde. I still don't know how they made it, but it was incredible. We had delicious wines and we just worked our way through this wonderful dinner. I forgot to take pictures of later dishes, so my description is a little truncated here. Take my word for it, though, a wonderful restaurant. And then when we were done, we walked past the open kitchen, which was incredible, long and huge. Just just a, a really amazing operation. I was, you know, feeling like I wanted to duck in there and see if I could chop vegetables for a little while. But resisted the urge to ask. And then we spent a little longer in the property. We went up this beautiful old spiral staircase to a rooftop deck that was absolutely stunning. And I was thinking to myself, anywhere else in the world, you know, if you were in New York, if you were in Paris, if you were in Las Vegas, uh, if you were in Barcelona, wherever, it would be absolutely jammed. But because of the sanctions, because of the restrictions, because no Americans are traveling to Cuba anymore, and I think tourism is down generally because of the pandemic anyway, really upsetting. It was virtually deserted. It's lovely to have the place to ourselves, effectively. It was nice and quiet, but it would have been so nice to see that place booming a little bit more than it was. The restaurant was busy. The bar decks were not. Anyway, uh, somewhere to check out if you're in Havana. And if it's a little more crowded, I think that would be a good thing. Okay, El Dandy. I have to tell you about this spot. This was our lunch spot. And we went all three days. We were in Havana. Don't you love when you find a spot that is so good that you just have to come back to? It's just like, you know what? This is my spot for lunch in Havana. Really casual spot, limited menu. We had on repeat the nachos, which are really just guacamole, incredible, delicious, fresh, fresh gu guacamole and tortilla chips. We had the tacos, veggie or pork, sometimes veggie and pork. And we had their seared padron peppers which were awesome. And like all Padron peppers, I've eaten a bit of a game of roulette, mostly mild and delicious, and one or two real hot ones. So here I ordered a mojito with no sugar, again, following Baron and Faye's advice. And there was some conversation back and forth between the waiter and the bartender. And then the bartender went over and really put some work into this mojito. It was lovely to see, but then when he came back <laughs> to our table, he put the mojito down in front of me and he 
very proudly said, here you go, mojito, zero alcohol. And I thought, "Mm, (laughs) sorry, that's not quite it. So I started in very slow English to try to explain and then realized quite quickly this guy spoke very good English. So told him what the uh, translation error was and he rolled his eye about the waiter and uh, went back and and made a no sugar with rum mojito and all was well. Anyway, this place, uh, again, I would recommend if you're in Havana, go to El Dandy. It has a wonderful neighborhood feel. There were the same group of young guys sitting at the front of the restaurant I never figured out if they had any sort of official connection, affiliation with the restaurant, whether they knew the owner, maybe they were the owners, I don't know, but they were there every day we were there, and I got the sense that's where they were all day, every day. Super friendly, always very welcoming when we came in. So just, uh, yeah, just a wonderful vibe, and really good food, actually, very good food, and a serious cocktail program. So El Dandy, go there. They also sold, I bought a couple of copies of a book called Bars of Havana, which is really interesting, but El Dandy is not in it, which in my view, it should be. All right, the final dinner of the trip was at a restaurant very close to La Guarida. Again, this was Mishifu, and this place is wonderful. So much of the architecture in Havana is incredibly beautiful, but crumbling, because there is so little money and because uh, of the sanctions. So even if there is money, getting materials is really difficult. So it's sad to see, but in a way created this incredibly beautiful candlelit stone paint peeling environment at Mishifu. We, before we went there, we went to this place called the Packard Hotel and went to a rooftop deck there. This was hands down the swankiest place we'd been. I don't know who's staying at the Packard Hotel, but they have a lot more money than I do. Uh, It was like sort of the international wealthy kind of spot. It was nice. The service was super slow, but it was nice, a place to have a cocktail, but sort of disturbingly swank, I thought. Anyway, we left there, walked to Mishifu through this crumbling architecture, which is gorgeous, but sad because it's crumbling. Anyway, we came into the restaurant. It's an amazing building. It has huge high walls. And we walked into a room that had no ceiling. The walls went up and then they were open to the night sky with palm fronds running up and over the walls and and framing the view as you look up to the stars. Come on, that is really incredible. And again, a gorgeous warm evening. Um, I had a lobster tail here done very simply. It was delicious. Again, kind of slightly overcooked, but whatever. It was lobster. I had a guava daiquiri to start with no sugar, of course. Uh, that one came together well and properly. They had music here. Uh, they had a great pianist, and then he was joined by a great singer. And they just played music, sang music, and you could turn into it and be absorbed by it, turn slightly away from it, and still enjoy a conversation with your friends. It was wonderful, very, very talented, and I found myself thinking, What would this cost if I were to do it in my favorite city to visit in Las Vegas? It would be an absolute bomb of money. But here, it was all so accessible to the tourists, of course. I I appreciate we're in a very privileged position there. All to say, incredible music, uh, decent food, great drinks, outstanding, really outstanding room. Uh, Again, a very, very special feeling with this night air and looking up to the stars. And then at the end of the meal, toward the end of the meal, 
we were running out of bottled water and the restaurant had in fact run out of bottled water and the manager or owner, I wasn't sure she was one or the other. She came out and said, I'm really sorry. The only water we have left is this eight liter bottle. And we said, okay, well, we'll buy that. And she said, no, 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 I can't sell you that. It's this big, ugly vat of water. Well, we were a large group and we were thirsty and it was hot. So of course we wanted the water. We said, please, please let us buy this water. Well, she brought it out and it was a huge, huge jug of water and gave it to us because she didn't feel comfortable charging for it. So that was a new to me experience. And again, something that would not have happened in Las Vegas. So what an incredible experience at that restaurant. What an incredible experience in Havana and what an incredible experience overall in Cuba. The next day we were back to Veradero. We went back by cab. We arrived hours and hours before our flight took off and everything worked very quickly and smoothly. So we had a lot of time to kill in the airport. I do not recommend the VIP lounge in the Veradero airport. If you're wondering, I think that this and places like it, the all inclusives, I got the sense might be the reason that Cuba gets its reputation for bad food, which I found to be wholly unwarranted. The food that I had start to finish was really quite incredible. But I, again, I appreciate we had a privileged experience for the week that we were there. Anyway, the food in the VIP lounge, definitely not up to much. Stale bread, terrible bologna, but they had some rum. And so we had a drink and then caught the flight and <laughs> out we went. But as I say, I would not recommend the VIP lounge. I would recommend that if you can find your way to the bed and breakfast owned by Yvonne and Scott. And again, if you're going, let me know. I'll be happy to put you in touch. You will have an amazing experience. So Scott, Yvonne, thank you. My friends, what an amazing welcome that was to Cuba. I now hope to visit the country again. I would love to see your beautiful home again. And I really want to prop up a bar stool at El Dandy for a few days or weeks or months. Maybe I can be one of those guys at the front who seems to be there all day, every day. They seemed very relaxed and happy. Stu, Sharon, Laura, Winston, Troy, Faye, Baron, B. thank you all for making this trip so wonderful, so memorable. And reminder, you are going to hear from most of these people when I bring you the chef interview from Cuba. They chimed in with their thoughts on that amazing alfresco lunch that we had at the birthday celebration for Yvonne's niece. We are getting close to the end of this episode. Thank you for being here. As always, I really appreciate you choosing to spend some time with me here on Chefdemony. These podcasts, they're, this technology, it's, it's something of a one-way conversation, but it doesn't have to be. So please reach out if you've got a question for me, a comment for the show, maybe a thought on... Uh, someone who would make a great guest for an interview or a topic idea for an episode, please get in touch. You can find me at Cheftimony on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Look for me under Graham McLennan on LinkedIn. And of course, you can always send me an email and those go to graham at Cheftimony.com. If you're enjoying the show, please tell a food-loving friend about it and please rate review, and subscribe to Cheftimony wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Written reviews are wonderful. I really appreciate receiving them, and I think they help other people to discover the show because they work some magic with the all-important algorithms. So, there we go. That is it for this episode. Thank you, as always, for being here. I'm Graham McLennan, and I will see you again soon, right here on Cheftimony.